You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Just continuing to roll on through here for what will be your Wednesday edition of Locked On Browns. Your host, Jeff Lloyd. Make sure you're following uh, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. The show itself at Locked On Browns. My fantastic guest for today at Browns Mock Draft, part of the fantastic crew over at the OBR, continue to put out killer content week in, week out, day in, day out. And we all appreciate every one of you because uh, you obviously right now and as you know, well as things are going and as well as things are looking, uh, everybody is excited. Everybody is you know pretty charged here uh, as far as Cleveland Browns content. And we could not be thrilled. Uh, we could not be thrilled more for everybody being along for the ride. Today's episode of Locked on Browns is brought to you by Visa. Help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops. Local businesses have always been on your team, supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to stop at a local business and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with contactless Visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters, Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. As I mentioned, Mr. Stephen Thomas at Browns Mock Draft from the OBR joining us. Um, and we should just hit the record button earlier because usually that's when we give out some of the best nuggets. Um, but Steve, <laughs> it's, 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 been, it's been a fun three-week period here. Um, and I'm sure we all maybe had our doubts. I think leading up to this, you know, everything, you know, that went on is, you know, what was hired, what was brought in as far as building a roster. And then all of a sudden we had this 120-day ghost period where we didn't know anything. Um, you know, at times, you know, what we were able to see of camp looks good. And, you know, I think we were, you know, excited for some aspects. You know, I thought maybe the offense could do more. Then you get the, you know, flat tire, so to speak, of week one in Baltimore. But now here, and this is – it just feels so insane to even say this. We're talking about an offense here, Steve, that is currently leading the American Football Conference – in total points through week four. They dropped six, a single digit in week one. And this is the leading scoring offense in the AFC through four weeks. It, it, it's found its groove. And it's, you know, and I talked last night with Mark Sessler. And it, it's like, it, it, it's the orchestra. And it's the maestro. And everything just kind of coming in together offensively. And there doesn't seem to be a flat note anywhere over these last three weeks. Well, yeah. And um, you, you think back to after that whooping they took uh, opening week in Baltimore, uh, I know you and I were among the ones saying, okay, breathe. Okay. Yes, it was awful. Yes, it was bad, but just breathe. Let's not throw everybody out just yet. And, you know, it proved to be that the NFL shockingly enough is more than one game. Um, but here's the fun part for me and the funny part in that if you remember during the dark period and you know the whole off season everyone said uh you me much smarter football people than Stefanski himself said it takes time with this offense they're not going to blast out of the gate there's it's not like it's overly complex but there are nuances and subtleties to it that only live reps can help you master and so and then the stats came out about you know, Kirk Cousins in Minnesota's offense the first four weeks last year and then from week five on and the drastic difference in the 
the huge jump that they made after four weeks. So everybody was saying, okay, <clears throat> we'll give them a month to see what they got. And then, then we'll hope that it gets better. Well, like you said, they're leading the league in scoring. I mean, they're leading the league in efficiency. If I remember that stat correctly, they're putting up points at a rate since before I was born. And yes, folks, there was a time on earth before <laughs> I was born, despite what some of you believe. And guess what week is coming up week five. This is what we all expected to be, you know, quote unquote, the bad part of the offense. They've, they haven't even mastered it yet. So what's coming? I mean, are they going to be putting up 70 a game or something? Like, I mean, obviously I'm exaggerating and that's silly, but you can see them growing more comfortable and more confident in the offense and more anticipatory rather than reactionary week by week by week. And so you, you have to imagine it's only going to get better. Uh, as things go on, especially from Baker Mayfield's standpoint, I think the running game in the offensive line obviously is clicking about as well as you could hope. I mean, way better. Mm -hmm. We knew it was going to. We knew it was going to be improved. We knew the offensive line was going to be improved. I don't think even the most pie in the sky of us expected this right out of the gate. So I don't know how much better they could possibly get. But Baker's, he's getting more comfortable. He's protecting the ball more. He's making better decisions. He's still missing stuff here and there, of course, but he seems to be grasping it at a better rate. And they played three defenses that, yes, I mean, you know, there are no gimmies in the NFL, but it wasn't like they were the 85 Bears, but maybe that's what they needed for this period, you know, learning period of the offense, if you want to call it that. So, yeah, they're clicking, they're firing on all cylinders, they're lighting up the scoreboard and, you know, like they're playing a, an SEC Week 10 opponent or something like that. And it, I think it's only going to get better um, if they can – Take this one, and I know we're going to get into the schedule a little bit later but, later, but if they can take this one this week against Indianapolis, man, oh, man, the confidence and the world of possibilities it opens up as far as making the playoffs and stuff really, really changes. Uh, three and one is vastly different than two and two. That was a huge hinge game they won with Dallas last week. And if they can take this one as well, man, uh, we could be in for a fun ride these next couple of months. So refreshing to see. And look, in more old fashioned in the sense that trench play, and this, you know, we'll get to defense here in a little bit. Um, but it, it, you, trench play leads to a lot of things. And you know, we talked about, you know, Wyatt Teller. We talked about, you know, Jedrick Wills. All they had to do was be the fourth and fifth best offensive lineman on this team. Wyatt Teller to this point is the best. Um, you can argue about second through, you know, five, and it doesn't really matter. But these guys would be, you know, maybe some of the best offensive linemen on some other teams right now. And it, that's just come so quickly and the running game. And we're going to see here, we're going to see if, you know, this is something that's truly led by the offensive line and look, the Colts Steelers, this is a whole different animal as far as, you know, what the running game is going to see over the last couple mm -hmm. of weeks, but the running game has been there. We'll see Dearness Johnson who probably deserved more credit over the summer. Um, and really looked good. I mean, you saw a lot of, you know, Kareem and, you know, Nick and, and doing their thing. And, you know, a lot of it was like, oh, 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 oh hey, look, there was the same play. And it was Dearness Johnson running it well. And which probably didn't get the recognition that maybe it deserved. Odell was like the hot rod that the Browns have had for like over a year now. And it was consistently in the garage. And you're trying to figure it out. All right. Well, I mean, is, you know, is, is the choke right? Is the carb right? You know, do we have everything calibrated? And now you've got that going. And there's probably – it couldn't have come at a better time where you're now going to lose Nick Chubb for what could be four weeks, six weeks, four games, five games, who knows at this point. 
but you've got him confident and healthy and feeling like he is one of the game's elite wide receivers again and performing like one of them. Um, and so that's it's just so much you know fun to see. And you know, when you're dropping 49 on people, which you know, there was guys where I covered this team where it was a freaking month. That would be a good month to drop 49, <laughs> not a Sunday. So where we're seeing this going here. And then now even, yes, Nick a, Nick's going to be out for a little bit. But, you know, one of the few stars of week one was David Ajoku in a small amount of time. You're bringing that back into the fold where you have a Harrison Bryant feeling good about himself as a young rookie finding his way, Austin Hooper. And this, Pete, I mean, Keith, uh, Stephen, we still have not seen truly what this tight, tight end room could be. I mean, we all anticipated some really good numbers out of this tight end room, and you're going to go into these games now, and we'll see how it plays out. But, you know, they've done some things. But, you know, I definitely believe Stefanski. I certainly believe the folks within that tight end room certainly believe there is more coming from this group. Yeah, and um, you would think that people would, at least at this point, be starting to recognize that in the passing game, you're not going to see individual mind-popping numbers over the course of the season. I mean, there's going to be a week where one guy has more catches than him because he's the, you know, the the matchup nightmare for that week and everything. But you're not going to see a 130 catch season, 112 catch season out of anybody, almost certainly, you know. And bringing a guy like Najoku back, who uh, I think would be well suited to play sort of that big slot and take over the pseudo third wide receiver uh, duties in this offense. Because like you said, the other guys have been playing so well and Bryant has come along far faster than uh, a lot of us anticipated. Um, So watching this, like you said, this, uh, this hot rod finally have a driver. I think that's the, the best thing that we should all take away from this. I mean, you and I had a conversation um, and I know we weren't the only ones over the summer where the question was, it was a listener question, I think. And they said, what are you looking forward to the most uh, this season? And I sort of, at the time it seemed like a cop-out, but you look at it now, my answer was I'm most excited to see this collection of offensive talent with competent coaching and a cohesive scheme because the nightmare that was last year in that locker room still won six games, which spoke volumes to me as to how much raw talent was there when you can overcome how awful it was in the locker room last year Um, and calling plays that had, they hadn't practiced all week, everything, all those horror stories that were heard, they still won six games easily could have won three or four more. And now we're seeing that come to fruition because Guys are, like you and I have been screaming about on this, this program for four years now, guys are being put in a position to do what they do best multiple times per game. They're not being asked to do things they can't do, at least not very often. They're, you know, you're, you're good at this route, go run that route 30 times. You're good at that route, go run that one 30 times. We're going to run the ball 60% of the time and, and really anger all the, the, uh, the nerds on on Twitter that, that hate any time a running back even sees the field. You know, I mean, all this stuff, you're doing what's best to win games, not to make yourself look good. And it's just so refreshing. Now, uh, like you said, there's a step up in competition coming. But for the first time in a long time, I don't think it's going to take a miracle to win some of these games. You know, I, the Colts, I think, is I would go so far as to say I think they should win this game. The Steelers on the road the following week against that defense, that's a whole different story. I will be 
rather surprised if they come out of, of there with a W. But if they, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to put it, you know, say, hey, if they lose to the Colts, it'll be a huge disappointment. That's not what I'm saying. The Colts are a good team, but they're not a great team. They're not a, you know, a, a Chiefs level or a Ravens level or the Patriots of years past where it's just going to take a miracle for us to win that game. You know, I think they, if they take care of their business at home, I think it's a game, it'll be close, but I think it's a game they should win. So it's exciting to be able to say things like that and think things like that and not, you know, not only be laughed off the page, but not to laugh yourself after you say it. it it's it really, it's early, long way to go, but it really feels like a corner has been turned. Yeah, and this is one, and I know you'll appreciate this, that I've talked with, you know, over the last two weeks with Mark Schessler. The Kareem Hunt reception against Washington. Baker threw it blind, bumbling, stumbling, caught the ball. You know, years ago, that goes off the face mask. It goes off a toe. Somebody catches it on the other team, and it's a pick. Yeah. <laughs> the, the extra point blocked leading to a two-point oh, conversion. Oh, good God. Folks, we all know how that one would have played out. <laughs> and in a Browns of old, Alden Smith not only whips Odell around on that reverse for a loss of 15, Somehow the ball comes loose and, you know, somebody that nobody saw who just happened to be standing right there, picks that up and it would have been six. And yeah, Odell hurts his knee. Yeah, oh yeah, exactly. Maybe a <laughs> hammy or something at 100%. Yeah, or goes into the protocol. But that's, you know, this is what makes you think that maybe this is different. And I do have my thoughts about the Colts game coming up, but we'll get to that in section three as we continue along here with uh, Mr. Stephen Thomas of the OBR as we just continue to roll on through here on Locked On Browns. The improved Built Bar is even deliciouser. 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors, six brand new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Some of your original favorites, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, toffee almond, Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and they are easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or gal. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. The flavor profile on your coconut almond, 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams net carbs. Go to Built Bar. Dot com and use the promo code all caps one word locked on and you'll get ten dollars off your next order. Again, use the promo card promo code locked on all caps no space for ten dollars off at builtbar.com. Steven, now we get to the defensive side of the ball, and hey. there's <laughs> there's some issues. There's some issues, but when you can Make difference-making plays, sacks, forced fumbles, create turnovers. The that's where then the some of the defense, you know, the whole of the defense maybe can mask some of the individual parts and the deficiencies. Um, look, they have a big issue here as far as covering things at the back end on the safety position. And everybody, look, I get it. Andrew Sandeo isn't getting things done there. This is not what he's supposed to be doing, and. He's in a role that really 
he shouldn't be in. You know, there can there maybe be changes made more of Ronnie Harrison, maybe actually give Sheldrick Redwine a rep. Who knows? Um, but this is also where we get to, you know, where we were talking about the offensive side of the ball of putting people in positions to succeed. Right now, some of that is not going on in the defense. Linebackers were now getting healthy again. Mac Wilson, and I keep going back to this. Jacob Phillips had a fantastic three-play sequence on Sunday. Maybe this week you can up his reps. Um, you're going to worry about whether or not you have Larry Ogunjobi this week um, because he's been outstanding along with Sheldon Richardson to this point. But this defense, um, and Steven, right now to this point, it's been you know Miles Garrett obviously making some huge momentum and just changing outcomes of games. Denzel Ward is just Ben Denzel Ward to this point. Um, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes you, like, get nervous when he throws his body around like this because it's led to injuries in the past. But he's been physical. Um, when everybody was gassed on Sunday, he gets that interception to finally say, all right, let's all get to the bench. Let's grab the oxygen. And we've got this one and we're going on home, fellas. Um, but you need some more here. And you need to find the balance here within the linebacker you know, group and certainly I, I think the cornerback group is getting there and you can't truly judge the secondary in a game versus the Dallas Cowboys when they do what they do with their passing game. But we'll see now because you're going to go to a team where it's not, it's not going to be where it's, you know, Dallas where, hey, if we don't throw for 450, we probably gave it off week. So maybe start to evaluate it this week more where Ronnie Harrison had 11 reps last week. Maybe he'll get some more and you find some way to work and at least tighten up that back half. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing that we didn't, you know, expect coming into the season, I think. You know, I mean, with the exception of the Grant Delphit injury, I think we all pretty much knew that the defense was going to be young and a, a huge question mark outside of the defensive line. The defensive line has been basically – what we expected them to be all offseason, led by Miles Garrett, NFL, you know, defensive MVP candidate. Um, he's being he's on Miles pace Garrett. for a hundred quarterback hurries. That's an it's ridiculous number, but God. he's he's indescribable. Um, and Claiborne has been, even though he didn't play this week, uh, he's been, uh, like I said, an, an under the radar really, really big signing. I knew he was going to come in and do what he does. Uh, so hopefully they can get him back this year and like, or this week. And like you said, uh, we all got our fingers crossed that Sheldon and Larry uh, can at least play uh, because they've been absolute terror. So the defensive line is doing not only everything they, we expected them to do, but they've been doing more. They've been picking up the slack because like you said, the, the secondary has been, you know, I mean, there's really no other way to put it. It's been atrocious thus far. Now they are starting to get healthy, like you said. And when we started talking about the defense, one of the things I wanted to make sure um, to mention, and you did it, uh, was that people are giving up, I think, far too quickly on uh, Jacob Phillips. He, he looked smooth, as smooth as a rookie in his first game back from an injury playing in a game where the defense gave up over 500 yards can look <laughs> on Sunday. Okay. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't prime Mike Singletary or anything. I'm not saying that, but he looked like he knew what he was doing out there. He was anticipating like we saw him do at LSU. He's never going to blow your doors off or anything like that, but he's going to make consistent plays. And I think just getting that at the second level from one guy, um, will help a tremendous amount, especially with this stretch coming up. And if Mac Wilson can come back and continue to 
build on his offseason where he showed a lot of improvement before his injury. The two of them together could make it acceptable uh, at the at the linebacker, the second level of the defense, which leaves that third level where you've got, like you said, you've got Denzel, who, as long as he's healthy, is just Denzel. You know, if he's not elite, he's at least very good. Terrence Mitchell is playing his ass off. Um, so I'm hoping I would almost give Terrence Mitchell an extension right now. I would almost uh, you give, would think about probably it. Probably not going to cost you much because you want to know what I mean with greedy where he's at. You think maybe you're moving on. And you say, hey, look, Terrence, we could do something real simple here, maybe two years or whatever, appease you, appease you, appease us, because it's always the, all right, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and guess who's out there taking 70 reps on Sunday? Terrence Mitchell. Yeah, and uh, you know, and this front office has, you know, at least in the early going, has shown themselves to be a you know sign early rather than late. Uh, or, or when it becomes a need kind of group, which, you know, the, beyond Denzel, there's really no answers for next year in the secondary. So getting Mitchell back would at least give you two solid options. We still hope uh, Greedy can get past his injury issues because it's really hard to say what he is on the field at the NFL level because even last year when he played, he yep. was playing at, you know, what, 75, 80%. So we haven't, I, we, it, you can't really write him off yet because we haven't been able to see him. But if the injuries keep up, you know, you can't make the club from the tub and all that kind of stuff. But Ronnie Harrison getting more snaps, I think, is the only in-house answer. And from what we've heard at the OPR on the inside, it's simply a matter of him getting more comfortable in, in the defense. It takes a long time with this defense, apparently. Um, so I think they're being smart and not rushing him out there too much too soon. Uh, the loss of Grant Delpit was huge. Um, you know, Sendejo is who he is. Uh, Carl Joseph has been I, there, you know, I mean, he's made a few plays. He hasn't made anything egregious as far as I can recall off the top of my head, but he hasn't really been an impact. So, you know, at this point, that's where you're looking at. If you're looking at the draft next year, or if you're looking at trade deadline stuff coming up, it's gotta be secondary help. I would think, uh, anyway, uh, and I haven't dove into that yet. So don't ask, don't ask me for any specific names. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's we knew the defense was going to be, at best, a work in progress. I think you and I had a conversation in August, even after a few weeks of camp, where we said, man, we're looking at a lot of 45-41 type games. We're looking at, yep. you know, uh, the Dan Fouts era Chargers here, which is going to be a lot of fun, but it's also going to be frustrating and exhausting, and it's not a recipe for winning playoff football, but damn, I'll take it at this point. You know, um, you can't fix the entire thing in one season. I think they did a tremendous job uh, with the offense. I think they've done that. And I think now they will turn their, their attention to the defense and whether that starts at the trade deadline or they wait till the off season, I can't say, but um, uh, yeah. I, it, what can you say about the defense? I mean, really it, they are who we thought they were. It's very Dennis green at this point. See the thing with the defense and even, you know, when you bring up the trade deadline, um, you know, and this is everybody, when you guys throw this up, throw this out well look Ronnie Harrison's been here almost six weeks now and they're still talking about him trying to get acclimated so unless it's somebody that's got you know a Joe Woods tie I'm not sure exactly how it's going to work um still like I mean in and I'll forever just you know this is one that just you know can somebody please ask this where is Sheldrick Redwine as far as you know and we knew this was going to be a wild card with him because obviously when you sign two free agent stations, then you draft Grant Delpit, then you go out and you trade for Ronnie Harrison. I mean, it makes you wonder is, you know, does he, is he not getting in the effort? Is he not 
picking it up at all um, because this was a guy and, you know, look, I mean, the last six weeks of last year, you know, we all agree in what, what we watched and for all of us who cover it, we kind of all agree. Well, you know, if you, Jeff, can you find us a bright spot? Steve, can you find us a bright spot? Hey, Sheldrick Redwine's out there, you know, playing his butt off, trying to do everything he can. Um, it didn't mean too much, obviously, week in, week out. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I just – at this point, I, I think you throw – and with the amount of defensive backs they kept, Stephen, I really thought that it was just going to be like, hey, we're going to get a chance here for everybody. So really, it's just a head-scratcher as to actually where Sheldrick Redwine currently is. Yeah, I mean, I think it speaks – all those things you said, the moves they made in the offseason and his lack of reps. I mean, and you hate to say this about a guy, but it's – to me, it says the coaches just don't think he gets it. You know, I mean, it, the the scheme, I mean, not, you know, that he's a head case or anything like that. I don't want to uh, put that out there. I'm just saying they don't they don't trust him. And if your coaches don't trust you, then, you know, you're not you're not going to see the field that often. And anything of the trade deadline. I mean, yeah, of course, you're looking for immediate help this year. But I think it would be a younger guy uh, looking more towards the future. You know, uh, somebody that they could count on for next year uh, as well as this year. Because like you said, apparently it's a really tough defense uh, to pick up from the uh, from the Ronnie Harrison saga. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think we're going to see more games like this past Sunday than not for the rest of the season. And uh, hopefully they can put up uh, more dubs than L's. And, uh, or from this point out, all they got to do is go 500 and they're nine and seven. Uh, and at least, you know, in the discussion for that last wild card. So um, at this point, I'm just trying to enjoy the win for what it is and uh, see how they address the problems week to week. It's look, and, and to this point, I mean, and, and look, and I keep reiterating this, you know, a lot of you want to complain about injuries. Look at some of these other teams. The Browns lost oh, yeah. one player for the season to this point. Um, they've actually been pretty fortunate. You know, Mac Wilson, when it first happened, we all figured, all right, we'll see you in 2021. Jacob Phillips, we didn't know anything. And then all of a sudden he got hurt in week one, back week four. So with that, everybody just, you know, have your patience and just understand. We're going to get to one more segment here with Steven. We're going to look and start peeking ahead here and, you know, about what's left on the schedule and Steve even said, look, you know, go 500, 9 and 7. But, you know, we'll maybe dig into this just a bit more here with Stephen Thomas and Jeff Lloyd on Locked On Browns. Hey, guys, I want to tell you about a new website that just launched August 1st called OhioVersusEveryone.com. The site covers all Ohio sports and pop culture. They have in-depth, interesting articles about the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Cleveland Browns, and the Indians, Cincinnati Reds, and, of course, the Cincinnati Bengals, and again, yes, as they are going to take the field soon, your Ohio State Buckeyes and more. Um, whether the coverage is on the Browns' big win over Dallas on Sunday, looking forward to head to the Colts. Make sure you check everything out at OhioVersusEveryone.com. It's all your favorite teams, all in one site. And because they cover all the teams, they only bring you the best, most interesting topics. Check them out. Again, it's OhioVersusEveryone.com. That's Ohio, V-S. Everyone.com. Now, I'm just going to, since we brought up the Colts, and this is one thing, but Steve, you look at what they're doing. If the Browns offense has been scoring in the 30s, in the 40s last week, with the way the style of the Colts play, uh, you know, can you ugly your way into north at 20 
with what you see of this Colts offense, that should maybe be enough. Granted, this defense is a whole different animal, but you know we're going to get here and you know, just start looking at you know just preliminary thoughts on some of these games. Two with Pittsburgh, another with Cincinnati, three more with the NFC East. Okay, give me all of that because we just played the best team that's going to win that a- NFC East division. We got three more with those folks. Um, Tennessee, who knows what they're going to be. You still got Jacksonville on the schedule. Um, things are looking good, Steve. I, I mean, I hate to get too excited too early, but you look ahead. doesn't look too shabby with what you're basing this team on over what we've seen the last three weeks. Yeah, and um, you look at I haven't seen anything today, but yesterday at uh, Frank Reich's presser, he said that uh, Darius Leonard, Bobby Okarike, and Anthony Costanzo were all nursing injuries. Uh, Darius Leonard was a groin, which can be very inhibiting uh, for, a, for a guy that relies on uh, – well, doesn't rely on, but utilizes his speed as much as, as Leonard does. Now, I've, long way till Sunday. Don't know if he's as will keep these guys out, but if any of those three or two of those three are gone, that's a huge flip in, uh, towards the Browns' favor. Just and like give me you the said, two linebackers. Just give me the two linebackers. Oh, <laughs> just give me Leonard and Costanzo. Give, give me a rookie, whoever they have behind Costanzo. Give me a rookie against Miles Garrett. I'm, I'm a happy man because as much as I respect Philip Rivers, and I do, I mean, at this point, he was never fleet of foot, but at this point, he's like late career Bernie Kosar speed back there. I mean, he's, <laughs> but I mean, somehow he's so good and so smart. He always, you, you watch him and you go, how did he get away? He can't run, but he somehow he does it. And then he finds the open guy and he puts the ball right in the perfect spot. He's still dangerous. But he's not the Philip Rivers he was three, five years ago. So if they can get to him, I think the defensive backfield can have a much better day than they have had. And like you said, their defense is good. They're not the 85 Bears. They're not, you know, they're not even the Steelers defense. I think the Steelers defense is, is, is much better. Um, so I think this is a game that they should. I think. Uh, 24, 13, something in that range is my early thought, something like that, you know, barring wacky stuff going on or weather or something like that. So you look at that game. And but then, even, still, then even if it's weather, one. that should favor the Browns. I mean, the culture indoors, I mean, you know, and playing the AFC South. But go ahead. Yeah, you would think. So well, look, you look at it just – there's four more games until the bye. Let's just let's just look at that for now. You got the Colts, you got Pittsburgh, and then you have the Bengals and the Raiders back to back. Now, I hate to say this, three but and you one. know that sounds like all, three and one. It very well could be. At minimum, you would think two and two. You know, because they're going to be favored on paper against the Bengals. I can't imagine they're they're not going to be favored at home against the Raiders, who are inconsistent uh, on a good day. Um, they're going to be dogs probably rather big dogs at pittsburgh um and they're what even pick them one point underdog something like that against the colts so let's say they go two and two they, they go they go two and two you're looking at five and three into the break and then coming out of the break after the bye you've got houston who just fired their coach and who knows what they'll be looking at by that time you've got the eagles who they won the other night but still injuries like like a civil war platoon and who knows what's going on with uh, Carson Wentz, and then you got the Jags. So if they can get the five and three at the break, you gotta figure they, they'll find a way to take two of those three. So now you're looking at seven and four as you head down the stretch. As a realistic, 
maybe conservative, like you said, because if they could take three out of these next four and get to the break at six and two, good grief, man, they could be off and running. But you, you, you sit here and you look at it, and we, we touched on it before, at three and one, that win was so big because at three and one, six and six the rest of the way gets you to nine and seven, which is usually a tiebreaker scenario, whether you're in or out of the playoffs. So, that, and that's just going 500. So let's let's look at it and see where six games you think they on paper should win. You got at minimum you have the Bengals, the Raiders, at least two of Houston, Philly, Jacksonville. You get and then the two New York teams. That's seven games right there that on paper you would think they're going to win. Now even if they blow one of those, there's your six wins, and that's without even winning a home division game against the Steelers or the Ravens or beating, you know, the, the, the uh, Tennessee Titans. So, which, you know, they very well could win one of those games. I, I am realistically saying, going to say at this point, anything less, you know, barring wacky injuries or something like that, anything less than nine wins is going to be a disappointing way to finish the season. I'm, I'm saying they're going to get to 10 uh, and make the playoffs at this point. And that's, that's again, that's not even like picking huge upsets or anything. That's just beating the teams that they're supposed to beat. If they can come out of this week with, with a win against the Colts and be four and one, man, 11 doesn't seem crazy at that point. So I, you know, maybe I'm overexcited. Maybe it's just been so long since they've done anything like this. You know, I was a young man the last time they were uh, this exciting to watch. Uh, and maybe I'm being overzealous. Who knows? And maybe the OIC happens and an asteroid hits or something like that. You know, God knows what happens to Cleveland sports. But for the first time in a long, long time, nine and seven seems like the bottom at this point, which would have been a dream just two years ago. Yeah. Or, you know, all of a sudden we were introduced to something called COVID-20 or something. But you feel <laughs> that this team is, you know, it's there. And, and you keep in mind when you get to that last stretch, you know, and look, you know, Nick is going to come back. Yes, he's going to come back off an injury, but he's going to be relatively fresh. So imagine, you know, Nick running mm. against guys that are gassed for, you know, three and a half months. Um, you know, obviously there's going to have to be a lot that's going to have to be done here to, you know, fill in and sustain. And this is maybe where the passing game is going to have to, and maybe the numbers will pick up a little bit as far as attempts, because the thing is going to be what Dearness Johnson can do. Because you do not want to take away from the fact that Kareem Hunt gives you the receiving threat that he does. This didn't change. You're like Kareem was this receiving threat when Nick was available, when Nick was here. And this is going to be key because they're going to need somebody else to step up toting the rock. Because I don't think this offense wants to deviate away from the fact that they feel they have, and they do, have a plus receiver, a smart receiver who knows how to run routes as a running back in Kareem Hunt. So, you know, Dearness Johnson is going to be in a big spot here. Um, first, you know, hurdle essentially covered, but you know, this is what you're going to want to go forward here. And, you know, it, it feels weird to say all of a sudden now Dearness Johnson is a key player, but maybe he is as far as the offense is concerned. But you still have to think as great as this offensive line has played, they maybe only tapped it and maybe there'll be a little bit more. So a guy like Dearness Johnson – and for all you folks of running backs don't matter, this is probably where you're getting your jollies in as far as a guy like Dearness Johnson. And this might be the ultimate test of this factor. If this offensive line does what it can continue to do, you can get something from a guy like Dearness Johnson. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how they handle the rotation because um, it's not like they've been 
holding him back or anything, but it seems like there was a pattern emerging that they pound, pound, pound with Nick. And then midway through the third quarter and into the fourth quarter, they bring in Hunt for more carries with his fresh legs. Like he's got like more of a Tasmanian devil type of running style. So if he's, if they're just going to bump everybody up one slot, now you got Kareem, hopefully pound, pound, pound. And then, you know, Dearness comes in with his, Fresh legs, you know. I mean, I mean, I don't know if that's he's the more point of a or not, but it would make sense. Nick. Yeah, he, he's a little more sudden. He's a little more. Um, I, I don't know. They're, they're both. They're both very. When they put their foot in the ground and they see it, they can be you know ten yards away in, in a blink. So it's interesting. And and I got to be honest. As much as I liked Ernest in the off season, we talked about it. Uh, he, I did not expect that much explosion uh, that we saw from him. Uh, and maybe it was, you know, it was the second half of a track meet and, you know, Dallas's defense was just as tired as ours, but I, I don't know. I, it seemed like he was like the rest of them. If you, let me put it this way. And, and, and even a replacement level NFL running back, which I'm not saying any of those guys are, but if you're not going to get contact until almost five yards downfield on a consistent, what was it? 4.6 yards was the average first contact. Pretty much anybody who's made a, a roster, is going to tear it up at the running back position at that point. So, I, I mean, even you didn't expect Teller to be this good. You you were higher on him than everybody else. No. Nobody thought he was going to be. Yeah, I thought he would be good. I thought he would do the job. I thought he would be. But, man, he is among the best in the league right now and just an absolute beast. So if you got guys like that in front of you, and we, we, we're just now probably starting to get a healthy J.C. Treader. You know what I mean? Uh, he's still coming back from that knee injury. He's probably now just rounding into what would be considered regular season form. So I don't know. I, I, I'm excited to see what happens. If they can continue to run the ball like they do, and like you said, if they can keep Baker into uh, you know only needing to convert third downs instead of having to win the game with his right arm, which is something he has shown himself adept at doing the last few games, Man, the sky's the limit for this offense. And uh, in the, in with the way the rules are in the NFL these days, you still need a defense. The defense is going to have to improve. There's no question about that. But an offense like they've yeah. got, and especially one here. that can come into a four-minute offense. Off, lady, but we do have to wrap it up. Stephen ah. Thomas at Browns Drafts, part of the OBR. Rambler. Locked on Browns. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dogtown. LGB on the LOB.